On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we get a very unique look at athletic training overseas. We talk to Caleb Lott and Jared Maisel, who are both athletic trainers that have worked in Asia. Uh, Caleb is still there. Uh, Jared hasn't since moved to Brussels, um, but we talk all about their experience in just getting started over there, what's kept them over there, how that all works. Um, it was fascinating to me. I know a few people that have gone overseas for short-term uh, contracts and done different things, but uh, in both of their cases, they've been over there for years um, and have families and just is really cool to hear the experiences and what opportunities lie out there if that's something that interests you. It sounds like it's ever-growing uh, with a lot more opportunities coming, so something definitely to check out. Um, and if you're interested in uh, international anything, this is the episode uh, to check that out to get some more insight. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Uh, they come up in this conversation as well um, in the creation of APATS and supporting these athletic trainers over there. Uh, obviously, they do a ton for us, and we really appreciate that. Uh, continue to check them out, um, throw out ideas to them. Uh, they've got a lot of new innovative things coming down the line that can be really beneficial to you and what you do as an athletic trainer. But without further ado, Please enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on with Caleb Lott and Jared Maisel. Uh, They're both part of the APATS group, which we are going to talk about. Um, we are doing this through, I mean, just saying three different time zones doesn't really do it justice. I think it's 5 a.m. where I am, uh, about noon where Jared is, and about 6 o'clock in the evening where Caleb is. So we're really covering the whole span um, of everything, having this conversation. Um, but we have them on today to talk about what APATS is, how it got started, um, and just really hear about some of the experiences that they've had. Um, we have had a couple of people talk about international. Um, one really early episode about um, a colleague that went over to China uh, as part of the two-year contracts that had started a few years ago, oh, probably about four or five years ago, I guess now, um, and his experience. And you know, we'll hear from them both but before we get into it i'm going to turn it over to we'll start with caleb to just give a little bit of background on his career and then we'll have jared do the same and then we'll jump into it yeah first off appreciate you having us on and also appreciate jared uh being included in these conversations uh so yeah i am uh i'm originally from the uh i guess the southeast kind of the western uh, parts of north carolina uh Prior to coming overseas uh, back in 2012 was when I first kind of made that jump. Uh, I, uh, I did some undergrad at uh, Mars Hill University and I uh, was there for four years and then I jumped down to University of South Carolina, did a GA down there. I was down there for three years doing my GA, I worked in a variety of awesome settings down there, a really good uh, uh, 
multidisciplinary experience. Uh, and then through that, I had a, an opportunity to kind of springboard uh, over to China to take a little internship with this uh, outreach company that was doing some sports medicine services to the uh, international community. And I did that for a year, uh, enjoyed it, uh, kind of opened up my eyes to everything, went back to the States uh, and started working. I, that was like, I guess my first full-time employment job where I was pulling in a, a check and um, seeing, uh, seeing all that, I guess, hard work pay off over the years. Um, and then quickly realized uh, this little internship, uh, like a year prior, kind of blossomed into a full-time role and, and uh, put my name in the pot <clears throat> and applied for the job. And next thing you know, I was uh, on a plane uh, with uh, my newlywed wife out to, to China. And I was at Shanghai American School for uh, eight years. Uh, when it was all said and done, and uh, was their uh, athletic trainer, and uh, enjoyed that experience, and then uh, my next employment opportunity was at Taipei American School, uh, which is uh, where I'm at right now, and I work uh, with two other athletic trainers right now, so we have a sports medicine team here with uh, three full-time athletic trainers serving a, a K-12 through school, in, in Taipei, Taiwan. So it was a quick little rundown of uh, kind of where I've been and where I'm at right now. Um, but I'll hand it over to Jared now. Hi, yeah, thank, thanks for having us on, Joel. Um, so uh, similarly to Caleb, I got started in Shanghai, China uh, through a internship route. Um, previous to that, I'm, I'm originally from New Jersey and I did undergrad at Westchester University in Pennsylvania, and then grad, uh, grad assistantship at the University of Georgia, um, and then worked a little bit in college in New York for uh, a couple of years, and then the internship opportunity came, came up, and um, a 10-month internship turned into four years in, in Shanghai, China. Um, similar to uh, Caleb as well, the international school that I was working at um, which is the main focus of our experience internationally is the international school setting. Um, the internship contracted role turned into a full-time role. Um, so after two years of this internship part-time role, it evolved into a full-time direct employment role. Um, so after four years in Shanghai, China, um, I met my future wife in, uh, at, the, at the international school and an, a new opportunity came up in Brussels, Belgium. And so that's where I've been now currently for nearly the last four years, um, just starting a new role at an international school here at the International School of Brussels here in uh, Belgium. And um, yep, that kind of summarizes that. <laughs> so many questions that about just your experience and whatnot, but I don't want to get too far into those yet. We'll save those for just a, um, a minute, but Talking about APATS, I think that was going to be kind of a lot of the focus. So I want to make sure we start there. How did that all come to be? Um, just from the email chains, you two were on the ground of building and creating that. Um, so could give a little bit more backstory on that and what its purpose is and how it's continued to grow and just help with the profession 
um, over overseas. Yeah, I can, uh, I'll get started and Caleb can fill in, um, please. Well, APATS is the Asia Pacific Athletic Trainer Society. You can visit us at uh, apats.org. Um, and it's been um, started in Shanghai, China in about the year 2019, 2020, somewhere around. And it really got off the ground thanks to uh, Mueller Sports Medicine um, was the key facilitator of, of this. Um, the athlete, at that point in time, there was a handful of athletic trainers in the, in, mainly in China, in mainland China, but some in Hong Kong and J Japan, a, a few other here and there places in the, in the region. And Mueller uh, uh, Sports Medicine uh, decided to get us all together um, to meet um, and have some conversations as in, in a pure social event that um, being scattered and not really knowing everyone, a chance to meet face to face. And from those conversations that we met in Shanghai, we just had some, some drinks, some dinner. From those, from those initial conversations, we decided to form our own professional society. Um, and um, to with the main purpose of providing professional development in the region for us, because CEUs was quite difficult, and there wasn't a lot of online learning um, opportunities as there is now um, in, in the pandemic world. Uh, so that was the main intent, but it kind of blossomed into uh, this grassroots of setting up some foundational policy, um, some collaboration, best practices, because it is a very unique um, environment being in another country and speci specifically, uh, like I've said, our, our most specific, most common setting for the APATS group is the international school setting, which is quite different than a, a, a US-based uh, K through 12 environment. Um, so from there, um, we, we, we started to really just engage with uh, athletic trainers in the region, promote, create awareness about the athletic training profession. Um, starting these learning, um, sorry, these professional development opportunities, and then start starting to jot down, you know, some organizational uh, constitution, decorum type of things. Awesome. Yeah, and to, kind of, and to kind of piggyback off of Jared, we just realized that, hey, there's a group of like-minded people overseas, happens to be in the same country, we're learning about each other, we're connecting, and uh, let's just kind of pull our efforts together and support each other, not just professionally, but, you know, socially as well. And uh, you, you kind of uh, have a sense, you're on an island at some times overseas. And when you have people you can lean on and you have this professional learning community, it makes, uh, you know, good times even better. And then challenging times, um, you know, a little bit easier to cope with. And so it's really just to kind of pull everyone together and, uh, put your arm around some people sometimes and just let them know that, hey, you're not over here by yourself. Um, and uh, we're just going to kind of share wealth and uh, help each other out. So that's kind of where it all started from. And like Jerry was saying, Mueller was a huge uh, supporter of us actually getting together and being funded to do something. And, and so they're huge contributors of, I think, where we are right now. So, uh, you know, hats off to them. Um, so, yeah, we couldn't be more thankful for them and you know people come people go um but hopefully that uh some people will stay involved in apats and this uh, society will continue to support others it's funny how that comes full circle um mueller obviously um if you guys haven't seen it as a partner for the podcast um 
and I've gotten to know them really well by getting to know Gertrude um, really well. Traveled with her a couple times over to India um, and Sri Lanka and a couple other places in Malaysia to do some speaking. Um, and I remember hearing these conversations about trying to get everybody together over there um, and making that all happen. So it's kind of cool to hear it come full circle in that regard. Uh, this next question, kind of a two-parter one, just to give a little bit more context. If you know, before we get into the full question, if we could define what an international school is, I think I generally have um, the context of what it is. But if you guys, could, from your perspective, both uh, where, from where you've been and where you are currently, but how the main question is, is how have you guys been received as athletic trainers in your setting, in that K through 12 setting, which I know is what we're focusing on. Uh, a previous colleague I have talked to uh, was doing some of the stuff with the Olympic team and one of the sports there and just noted it was a little bit of a struggle to try and integrate themselves into the sports medicine team um, because it was new and it was different and there was just a lot of you know legwork to be done there. So I'd be curious, um, as your to your guys experience and how that's gone uh, obviously you've been over there for a while so i'm gonna guess it's gone fairly well uh, but if you could give just a little bit of a definition on what the an international school is and how that maybe differs a little bit and then talk about how well athletic training and you guys specifically have been integrated in and received yeah so you know, an international school right is basically a, for the most part a, a k through 12 uh school like uh like you would have in the united states and it the students that go to these international schools come from a variety of backgrounds cultural ethnic backgrounds uh that happen to live in in the in the city where your international school might be located and oftentimes these schools offer a western-based education uh, that adopt standards from the American uh, system or the European system. So it's basically like taking a, a school uh, and just transplant, like taking an American school and then just transplanting it in an international uh, country. And oftentimes these teachers who are teaching students or from all over the world. It just really happens to be where you're located. Like Jared's school right now probably has much more teachers and students from the European region versus my school. We have a, a lot of uh, American teachers, a lot of New, uh, New Zealand teachers even. And, and our students are uh, probably about 85% give or take uh, Taiwanese and the rest of the 15% are from America or you know other parts of the world. Whereas uh, like my school and probably Jared's school in, in Shanghai where we cross paths, um, the, the populations were a little bit, uh, I think more diverse, um, but those changed as the economics changed while we were both there. Um, so that's kind of like an international school in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. uh, and the services that we provide um, primarily in the in the secondary setting middle school and, and up into high school it, we we perform the same duties and responsibilities as we would if we were to work in a school back in the in the united states in any part uh, we just happen to see sometimes some elementary school students based upon need uh, that might be a little unique uh, from something back home where but there i do realize that there are some 
some private schools in the States where it could be K through 12 and that athletic trainer might be responsible for some elementary uh, needs as well. But uh, I think our, our roles here are the same as they would be back in the States. We offer a lot of sports similar to back in the States um, beyond American football. I don't know. Jared might have American football over in uh, Belgium. Yeah, you do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas uh, rugby is, 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 a, is a sport that I have uh, learned to appreciate and trying to learn, <laughs> trying to learn the rules. Uh, so that's our main contact sport. Uh, but we also have some unique sports as well. Uh, table tennis was a, a sport at my old school. Um, badminton, we have badminton teams. We have, uh, you know, some sports that may be a little bit more common in this area, but uh, I think in the end, uh, a student who graduates from these international schools, a student athlete that, that goes on to play in at colleges or universities even too, um, they, are, they are set up for success to excel and, and to be accepted into a lot of uh, high academic achieving schools. Um, a lot of our graduates go on to schools in the United States. Uh, I imagine a lot of the graduates from Jared's school go go on to all over all over the world. Um, Jared, what am I missing on the uh, international school and the uniqueness of of, uh, of everything? Yeah, so every school is going to be different. Every location is different. Every country is different, and the resources in each city or each town or each country that these schools are located in, and its population is going to be different. Um, some cater to some schools cater to specifically um, British curriculum, some um, North American, Canadian, American, whatever it may be, uh, or any other any other uh, uh, nationality in the world. There could be country specific international schools um, in, a, in, a, in a particular location. And so as far as like injuries and in sports medicine and treatment, every the services are going to be different. Um, when I was, when Caleb and I got started in Shanghai, there was only a handful of um, Western trained uh, orthopedic specialists in, in the city, in a city of 25 million, there was only a handful. I'm sure there was excellent Chinese doctors, uh, orthopedic specialists, um, but our expatriate population um, want some, want uh, providers that, you know, they can easily communicate with that they, you know, have similar, uh, expectations that they may be accustomed to, um, in, in services. Um, so our, our, one of our duties is to help facilitate those, um, whether it's in Shanghai or in, uh, or in Taipei or in Brussels. Um, and so, um, one thing that I'm finding is that, um, Sometimes uh, we have an excellent, excellent healthcare system here in Brussels and in Belgium. It, uh, the socialized system is excellent, but sometimes people are just a little hesitant to, you know, make appointments that may be, you know, two or three weeks down the road um, if they're not really necessary. Um, so that's where I feel a big part of what I do comes in is that help facilitating and expediting that when possible, possible um, through the relationships. Um, through with physical or uh, physio, physical therapists, or even other um, similar professions here, unique to Akine is another term that goes around, and uh, any doctors that you know are a particular particular specialty, um, you know, kind of rule in, rule out. It, does this need to be seen or not? 
appreciate that background on it. Um, so overall, it sounds like you guys integrated as athletic trainers to these extremely well. You're well received um, because it's familiar. If obviously your skill set is beneficial to what people are, you know, doing in terms of when it comes to sports and activity over there. Getting started is an initial challenge and in uh, initially founding the position and educating. Um, that's sure. something I'm, I'm relatively new, still new here to Brussels. Um, so that's something in my community, community um, my school is about 1,500 students, about more like 1,400. Um, but educating, we have a big student athlete population. Nearly all of our high school com competes in, uh, in athletics. So a lot of athletes I work with. Um, and continuous education on what what I what we as a profession do, um, um, yeah. That, but that's something that <laughs> we continuously do in the U.S. too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like athletic trainers, right? Where they come from, America. Where do international athletic trainers where they first get the start is at these American Americanized international schools. For example, that my former school uh, was Shanghai American School. Uh, we had an East Campus and a West Campus. Uh, Jared's school, Concordia International School in Shanghai, was a, a, a more or less adopted an American curriculum, right? Uh, there was a school down in Guangzhou, uh, the American International School of Guangzhou. Uh, that you know that school as well was an American school, and so these positions were familiar to what student athletes would receive in, in the states and next thing you know their, their their parents have opportunities to go overseas and uh guess what there's sports and the inherent risk of sports are injuries um and so you know there was you know there was a need that that uh i guess could be filled and athletic trainers eventually stepped into these schools the schools immediately saw the value and kind of took on with it and kind of dissolved and stepped away from that internship model and decided to make uh, full time full times out of these and with my final point what i would say is that i've i've in my experiences i've received nothing but genuine appreciation um, once they are aware of what we can do and that, you know, they're in a, they may be in a different country and just someone that's the middle person to point them in the right direction, rule things in, rule things out is greatly, greatly appreciated. Awesome. I think you guys kind of answered this next one, but just to get more specific, you know, and we'll start maybe with Caleb on this one, kind of the biggest reward in working overseas and then also one of your biggest challenges that you've come across. Yeah, rewards and challenges. Well, those are uh, always happening. Um, but I think the, re the reward uh, of working overseas is when you're, when you're at these schools, uh, really feeling like you're a part of something bigger than yourself and, and knowing that you're, you're making a difference uh, because people whether that be parents, administrators, student athletes, they're, they're telling you this, like, oh, wow, I didn't know you did that, or, or yeah, thanks. And, or, and and it's really, like Jared was saying, a very genuine appreciation. And, and I think a, also a good reward is knowing that uh, I think we are, we're blazing trails maybe for others to succeed, like after we're gone, right? 
and um, just knowing that uh, in these positions, the uh, a, a byproduct, the reward of, of it is a great phenomenal work-life balance. Uh, and there's a, a high return on, on worth and how we are valued in these communities. Uh, I think the, you know, the, the salaries are the most competitive that I'll ever experience. Um, and uh, I'm looking at like, I have two children. Uh, I have a kindergartner and a two-year-old. Both of them were born overseas. Uh, and so a reward for me working overseas is allowing them to have an opportunity to attend a, a school to receive a phenomenal educational experience, at least in the formative years. Um, you know, and uh, this quality educational experience that they will have access to, I think is unparalleled to anything that I've ever noticed. Um, and there's just wonderful opportunities of just living overseas, uh, experiencing the rewards of trying uh, new cuisine, uh, you know, varieties of culture, um, you know, learning histories of things. I mean, America is young compared to the rest of the world, right? And so uh, it, it's a reward is just, I think, being uh, in a stimulating environment where something new can happen literally every day. And there are a lot of original moments. And I think lasting memories can often happen through these. And so that's just a very cool reward to experience. Um, and I think challenges, right? So the biggest challenges are being 24 hours door to door away from loved ones back home. Um, that, that's a challenge. And then language barriers, um, I think is where uh, I should speak more Mandarin than my years of experience in a, a Mandarin speaking country. But uh, I think that just kind of those are the top challenges and rewards that I can think of. Jerry, what about you? In pursuing an international opportunity, um, I would strongly encourage them to go down every path and road um, to try to make that, that happen for themselves. Um, like I mentioned before, educating, um, educating the community on the athletic training profession continues to be quite a challenge and doing those first initial steps and figuring out in whatever role you take on um, how to do it, what to do, how to show value for yourself um, is, is quite, quite a challenge to get going and it takes, can take some time. Um, and also the challenge of kind of letting things go uh, out of our control that we may be traditionally used to in the U.S. about, you know, overseeing our athletes or um, our responsibilities and um, our role that there is sometimes gray area and that there is sometimes, um, you know, <laughs> you're figuring, you're building the plane as you're flying it um, uh, in, in your roles and responsibilities. Um, so uh, that, of course, can, uh, um, is something that I continuously try to, you know, work on. But it's, it's so worth it to, like I mentioned, um, when you establish the position of an athletic trainer in, a, in, a, in an organization that has never seen that before, um, it can be very rewarding, you know, personally and professionally that the, the, the students, the teachers, the administrators, the athletic directors, they are all very, very appreciative. And one thing that I, um, uh, in the same vein as that, uh, that I've been um, 
finding rewarding for myself is ed just educating on youth sports, uh, sports safety initiatives, just educating people about concussions, pre-participation physicals, providing resources on that. Um, one thing that uh, Caleb, myself, and APATS as an organization, um, had, we, um, we, we want to really improve the, um, the student athlete safety experience in these international school setting. Uh, there's over 10,000 international schools around the world. Uh, um, and in the, the, for the American government actually has their own series, their own, their own, um, uh, their own uh, international school community called DODIA, Department of Defense Education Activities uh, Organization, where there's a several hundred, um, I'm guess I think around 150 um, of these international schools. Um, and I have a, 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 there's a colleague here in Belgium, Ellie, um, that um, is educating that organization on what an athletic trainer can do for, for, for their unique industry, their unique setting. Um, but just trying to step up the game of and uh, inform, educate, create some buzz, create some awareness about the athletic training profession, and also, you know, just helping keep kids safe. Um, we want kids to have a great uh, athletic and educational experience. Um, so collaborating with the international school colleagues to help promote these, these sorts of things has been very rewarding for myself. Awesome. Oh, I'm going to amend some of these AT chat questions just a little bit uh, to fit you, you guys and what your uh, experiences are in your current setting. But first question, uh, and we'll do these for both of you, is internationally, where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Great question. Um, I mean, internationally, I definitely see it growing in the international school setting. Uh, I realize that COVID has kind of put some things on pause, uh, but I think we're all moving out of this. And in 10 years, I would expect to see exponential growth. Uh, just looking at my old sports conference that I was in, uh, there was, it seemed like every year there was a school investing in this position for their community. Uh, and so that was really, really good to see. And I think through the growth, comes with exposure and so how can we expose the all these other schools to our position um, is I think the the key to make that happen um, but I, I'm even going to go domestic too right uh, I know we're this is more of an international conversation but I, I don't want to forget about you know the the people back home doing doing good work especially in the secondary setting and all over but you know I I hope to see every student athlete uh, in the secondary school setting um, uh, and their families really, uh, the, you know, the ones who are taking on these risks of participating in interscholastic sports uh, with very good rewards of participating in those uh, to have immediate access and appropriate medical care um, through the hands of a certified athletic trainer. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder if all, you know, publicly funded secondary schools in the U.S. that don't have a certified athletic trainer. I wonder if that's a, you know, a huge missed opportunity. And I think some legislation should be help driving the force of that. Um, you look at some states that are, you know, well ahead of that, of making sure every uh, secondary school has a, an athletic trainer. And you look at some that aren't, and that's okay, but how can we get there? And so 
I, uh, I think that's where we should see athletic trainers in, in, in the profession in 10 years domestically and internationally. I, I expect to see growth too. Um, I, can, I guess we'll just kind of wait and see what happens and from here. Um, Jared, what do you think uh, as far as internationally? Where do you see, where do you see things going? Yeah, I see, I see, I see continued growth. I mean, if you just look at um, the last five years or so, the number of athletic training roles that has increased um, from my time when I got started in China, um, there was a, you know, half a dozen. And then now in, in that region, you know, it's, it's, you know, gone up four or five times, times fold. Um, and in some, some conferences, some athletic conferences are taking initiatives and steps to mandate that all the schools within the conference have an athletic trainer. That's something that they're working on. However, obviously COVID has put, has um, really affected, profoundly affected the international school industry. Um, I think it will bounce back. Um, uh, I'm, I'm very positive about that. Um, but I think we're going to, I think we're in a unique position where we're going to start to see some cycling of students that Caleb, myself, and all our other APATS colleagues, uh, a lot of them, a lot of us are starting initiatives, our schools promoting the profession of athletic training and sports, other sports medicine professionals um, in within our own uh, international school setting. So for example, um, I, I had, a, I had a, a program in Shanghai, China, and I just got a very nice email from a South African student that she is just finishing her undergrad in AT in the US. And she is um, she has just been accepted a grad assistantship. And um, so we have a South African student that was educated um, uh, internationally in Shanghai, China, now bringing those, um, those uh, cultural competency, those uh, language skills, bringing it to the US, going through our AT system in, in the US, and then potentially moving back abroad um, to you know wherever wherever she would like to be next, or stay in the U.S. Um, but I, in order for our profession to grow, I think we need to groom those that sort of paradigm where we are bringing in international people into the profession, um, so that they bring their, the profession back to potentially their home country or a third country, wherever they would like to be. Um, and that we'll, we'll, we'll see some growth and excitement and engagement about the athletic training profession in all sorts of different countries. And it seems uh, with the excellent work of WFAT, the World Federation of Athletic Training and Therapy, um, they are working to establish that as well. So we're seeing more and more countries starting their own professional organizations that are very similar to uh, athletic training. They may have a different title, but, you yeah. know, they're for they they um, you know they're they're still colleagues and they're still um, you know our you know collegial brothers and sisters, um, but I think I think we're going to be heading nothing down towards that road, and I would strongly encourage um, you know all universities in the U.S. you know for study abroad opportunities for graduate assistantships to really you know try to pull in um, international international school students. Um, cause it'll just, you know, continue to progress. What advice would you give yourself if you could go back to the start of your time working internationally? Um, my, my key, I, yeah, I, I thought about that. And I think my, my main points is, is I, uh, from, from my 
you know, you know, my younger years to, I guess my more middle years now, I guess, um, just be patient and things take time and just have a long-term plan or a long-term goal. Um, and just be, you know, be satisfied, you know, even if you're making small progress, you know, be satisfied. Um, but, uh, one, what uh, technically, uh, international school is setting is that you need to be, you need to diversify. You need to be able to do a number of different things outside of just your specific role as an athletic trainer, whether it be teaching, whether it be, you know, strength and conditioning, um, or it be, uh, you know, uh, health and safety, more administrative, or even an athletic director, um, whatever, um, whatever someone else's, but besides their primary passion of athletic training or primary interest of athletic training, wherever those secondary interests lie, um, to, you know, to pursue those and to diversify, to make yourself more marketable and to, um, you know, fill different gaps that these organizations may have. Yeah, I would probably, you know, say, gosh, how, how can I show value of, by being here um because that is and, and that may come in all types of ways right but let that be a guiding question it, you know is like how can I show value where I'm at and what are we going to do to show that value and, and how, do you, how do you know you are making a difference so I, I'm just trying to think of because hey uh numbers inform decisions and administrators at schools they like to know numbers um they like to see data they like to see that stuff uh, and that can help drive decision making and so by answering that question if i'm young going back looking at that being like an overarching question of things that we're doing um because that's when you're able to reflect and to grow from that so uh that's what i might give myself as a young athletic trainer and also total support gosh um you know this like these uh these international school settings it's unique to things back home because it's a community and i know we've all seen schools back home on movies we've experienced them in person it's a community feel but then sometimes there's a little bit of separation and, and that's okay too but at these international settings uh, oftentimes the school brings uh, the, the people in the community closer and those work colleagues might become that, you know, that friend family and the parents you great, you just nurture great relationships with them and, and just uh, saying yes to opportunities, um, even though they might be a little unconventional at first. Uh, uh, and total support investing in any initiatives that are going on at the school leaning in and, and being the first follower to to help lead an initiative um and then next thing you know you have a movement going and there's some great things being done at the school and uh sure we, you know we, we might not agree but if we can give that total support it's going to come back around and it's going to help us when we need to accomplish some things that can definitely make a difference um so yeah some total support and uh just seeing how we can show our value i like it We'll go back to you on this one, Caleb. What is the most influential resource that you have found? I would say the APATS colleagues, really. That has been an influential resource of me being an international athletic trainer. Yeah, sure, we can hop on NATA. We can hop on uh, MedBridge. We can take a Con Ed course. Uh, and those are great. 
and those are influential. But I think overseas, being able to lean on, uh, you know, some relationships through meeting people at APAS has been very influential while internationally. And it's been a it's been a stimulating professional development opportunity because you know through conversations you get to talk and, and you get ideas and you you share setbacks you, you share struggles and and challenges and and uh you know i think the, the colleagues uh developed over here while they might not know it i think they've you know been quite influential in making me think around the box and through that just i think continuing growing and reflecting really um, that's been a great resource um, you know, I'm thankful to get to know Jared through APATS and then our time in, in Shanghai uh, has been good and it's great to see him go off to uh, other places and do great things there. Yeah, I would, I would say probably the, the number one resource is the colleagues, um, the connecting with um, with other athletic trainers just in, in the region, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty connected with an athletic trainer in England, another one in Germany. Um, and just, um, and even non-AT similar professionals, a physical therapist, a few physical therapists here in Brussels, um, just to professionally check in on things and bounce ideas off each other, keep each other motivated, keep each other on our toes, and, and then just confiding in each other of, you know, you know, we're outside of our home country for, for quite a bit of time and just to connect on those things. Um, but I still, I, I, I strongly uh, recommend that all athletic trainers, you know, continue to stay in touch with all the people that have made an impact in their lives. They're old professors, they're old preceptors, uh, old coaches, athletic directors, um, because in, in the international school network and internationally, just being abroad, it's actually, it's a smaller field than you would think. And, you know, odds are someone knows each other. And so if you want to create, you know, good opportunities for yourself, you should definitely keep in touch with all the people that have, you know, helped you got, got you to where you are as an athletic trainer. Definitely. Uh, Jerry, we'll go back to you on this one as an AT in your role. How do you take care of yourself? No, oh, that's, that's, that's easy. Um, internationally, it's such a, it's honestly a blessing to be abroad and to be in a place that's so different than your home country. Um, just going outside and um, what my uh, going outside and, here in Brussels, primarily uh, is a it's a French speaking city. Here, um, Belgium is actually a, a trilingual country: uh, Dutch, French, and German. Um, so, just to be in a place where you can't speak or communicate, um, I'm doing my best to. I'm, I'm I'm kind of beginner intermediate French at this point, um, but just it's so refreshing to be in the middle of somewhere you don't speak the language and then just have these great cultural experiences these historical spirit experiences traveling i just got back from trier germany i was in beautiful moselle wine country um that's that's great self-care <laughs> i like it yeah to piggyback off that uh taipei is is, is great Taiwan is known as Formosa Island. It's just beautiful flora fauna. Uh, great things going on here. I was in a dilemma on Sunday. The weather didn't shape out to the forecast like we had wanted, and we were planning on going to the beach, but we ended up in the mountains. So just being able to have that, uh, have that, you know, I guess mountain and, and sea experience, and I think practicing self care is important for us ATs, no matter where we are in the world. 
there's a lot of hours, there's a lot of commitments and responsibilities, but we take so much, we invest so much time in taking care of others. It's important to remember to take care of ourselves um, every once in a while too. And, uh, you know, exercising and, and going on adventures, uh, that, that, that definitely fills me up. And um, I'll be surprised if it didn't do the same for, for some others. Definitely. I, I am jealous of the breadth of uh, experiences you guys have so close to you. That is fantastic. Um, Caleb, back to you on this one. If you could change or eliminate one thing, could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset, or anything of your choosing in the field of athletic training, what would it be? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm going to... I would probably say the, the AT nomenclature, really, um, athletic trainer. I, I might be ruffling the roost here a little bit, um, but internationally, um, our, our, our current BOC name, I think, does not help promote the profession, in my opinion. Uh, I, I realize and I appreciate the BOC's purpose to protect the public. Uh, and I guess through this standardized credentialing service, and I think it starts with education, right? And uh, and this education can be, you know, I think brought up by better brand awareness um, through some identity. Um, and identity can be a huge part of a lot of successes from businesses, but even through professions where you might want to be respected differently. Uh, and our identity uh, through nomenclature, I think, can be uh, improved a little bit um, because, you know, I, I wonder how some people's first impression perceives athletic trainer, especially uh, internationally. And I think overseas, it's maybe even more misunderstood. And there's been a lot of great work by a lot of wonderful people in the U.S., um, and a lot of things are, are almost like, oh, it's too late to turn around. But, um, you know, the strategic alliance with the BOC, the NATA Foundation, the NATA and, and Katie, right? Uh, that strategic alliance really talks about uh, promoting worldwide growth. Um, and I think they help achieve this, uh, you, you know, brand identity will help contribute to that, um, providing clarity. And uh, this might automatically create a little bit of professionalism in, in how we are perceived in general by the global public. Um, and so I, I'm not saying, oh, we need to change our, our name. I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm just saying um, I'd like to maybe see a change from us not talking about it um, to, hey, let's begin to have some dialogue again. Um, and to start to learn more on both sides uh, of, of that and maybe some risk and some benefits with that. So I think uh, I'd like to see us just talking about it. I think that's the first time that's come up. So I appreciate you for bringing that up uh, as an answer to that question. Jared? I, I, and uh, hopefully not ruffling too many feathers, but I would I would 100% agree. Um, if, if we want to be the... In at the international table, if we want to be the premier rehabilitative sports medicine service, we have to be in line with the nomenclature of that. And that is the word therapy. 
um, physical therapy, physiotherapy, kinesiotherapy, uh, speech therapy, occupational therapy. Um, if we want to, if we want to be at that table, I, I don't think there's any way going around, going around that hurdle. Um, so yeah, I would agree. Absolutely. So, but I'll let Caleb can fall on that, on that sword that, uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, for me, for me, just personal practice, I don't know why I know it's, it's essential. It's so important documentation, I, but I, I hate doing it. <laughs> I, I, like I can't, I can't get it. I can't get over it. I don't know. I wish I could, maybe I need to get like one of those recorders and just have it, just talk it out and it types it for you, you know? Uh, so that personal practice, that's me. Uh, uh, as a profession, I'll fall on a different sword um, is that I, I wish our education model hadn't changed. Um, I wish, I, I personally, uh, the value of a graduate assistantship where you can walk away with years of experience as a certified athletic trainer and out of being able to be debt-free afterwards, me personally, um, invaluable, invaluable experience. And um, I think for us internationally, we need people to take risks. We need people to uh, be able to say, you know what, I want to go to Vietnam. I want to go to uh, India, pack up my bags and leave and see what happens, try some things out and see what I can do internationally for athletic training. And to put in, in our unfortunate current um, uh, university education model that, you know, people go significantly in debt to, for that degree, um, it limits people taking risk. Um, so internationally, I could see it being an issue um, that, you know, people are not going to take risks and um, because they have this debt tying them down. Um, so um, that's me. Um, I, I, I wish it didn't head in that direction. Just for me, that those two years in grad school were incredibly valuable to myself to grow and come out debt free to uh, in turn, like to take a risk and jump on a plane and see what happens. Um, so that's me though. Understood there. Uh, I know there's a lot of different opinions on that and still haven't figured out quite where I land. Uh, last question before we wrap up, uh, Jared, we'll start with you. Uh, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Uh, just a dedication to helping people as, as to me, as simple as that. Um, they're, they're, uh, I feel like uh, a near majority of what we do is outside the textbook, outside of, you know, the special tests and all that stuff. And it's just like, how can I help this person in front of me? So um, that's why the, the international setting is so unique is that we get such a variety of different things that walk through the door that have language hurdles, cultural hurdles, um, and just doing the best you can to be culturally competent to uh, in any way, shape or form you can to help, help out the, uh, the, the teacher, the athlete, the administrator, whatever it may be. Yeah, like that dedication, like, like you were saying, Jared, it's that athletic trainer is that, you know, facilitator of healthcare, that advocate for the athlete and you and that liaison uh, to really help uh, the athlete and you reach those goals. I think that's what an athletic trainer uh, is really like, uh, I guess, a big takeaway for me there. Awesome. Uh, before we wrap up, if people wanted to connect with 
you, Caleb, will start with, and then Jared will get yours. Best place for them to contact you, follow you, um, and we'll link all this up um, on the episode page. Yeah, the best way to get a hold of me if you have any questions about international athletic training or working in an international school setting, uh, you can reach me at lot C. Uh, that's L O T T C at tas.edu.tw. Perfect. Oh, you're muted. We can crop that out. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Zoom, Zoom never fails to uh, cause problems. <laughs> um, yes, uh, so anyone can feel free to get get through me, get to me. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm a Twitter person, so at Jared ATC, um, or uh, by email, Maisel, M-A-I-S-E-L-J, at ISB.be. Uh, happy to help. Uh, also, I would encourage you to connect with um, the um, the international committee uh, there uh, they have an ambassador program so if any of the listeners are interested in a, a country specific looking to connect with someone um, the um, they can get in touch with the international committee that can set up with the uh, ambassadors abroad and of course apats uh, the apats I believe I believe on socials they're on Instagram and Facebook I believe and otherwise apats uh, org. Yeah, and that Instagram, just to get connected to APATS for all those that might be interested in just learning, just seeing the visibility, it's uh, the Instagram account is uh, APATS Society, uh, but only just uh, one S. So APATS uh, Ossity, I guess. Gotcha. <laughs> Again, we'll link those up so people can get quick and easy access to them uh, for those. Well, thank you both for taking the time to do this. Uh, I know it was enlightening for me, um, just generally being aware of what's going on internationally, but this was awesome to hear more in depth about it. So I appreciate you both taking the time. Yeah, our pleasure. And uh, thanks for putting stuff out there. Uh, you know, oftentimes we, I mentioned earlier, we feel like we're on an island sometimes just being over here, being, being, I remember one time there was only four athletic trainers in, in, in China, 1.4 billion people. Uh, and so how do you connect with people back home and through podcast, uh, it, it is a great way just to Thank you again for listening to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to be on the show, have anything you want to talk about, please hit us up on social media or fill out the survey we have on our website, athletictrainingchat.com. Again, we want to thank Mueller for helping us out and also partnering with our Throw a Lifeline program where we donate any revenue we get from the podcast back to getting emergency supplies for athletic trainers. If you'd like to contribute to that in any way that you can, uh, we would really appreciate it. You can check out more at clinicallypress.com backslash throw a lifeline. We'll see you next episode.